Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's Focus for Wednesday, April the 5th, 2023, at 9.44 a.m. Central Time. Today's Focus, Righteousness and dependence. Righteousness and dependence. I probably could call it dependence and righteousness, but I decided to go with righteousness and dependence. Now, that may not mean anything to you at this very moment. You may be like, why are we going to be talking about that? But if you have been with us for the last few days, you know that I, you know, I do this, you know, I do this frequently. When I kind of find myself dealing with a certain concept, a a certain concept. I stumble upon a concept or start thinking about a concept. I I have a tendency not to let it go. Like I keep mentioning it over and over and over and over and over. And I especially do that if I feel like I have not articulated the concept, the idea, the, the principle, the, the theological truth in such a way to get everyone else as excited about it as I am. Sometimes I, I come across a principle or an idea and I get like, I'm like, wow, this is really good. This is really awesome. And then I try to tell, I mean, I'm like stopping people on the street. Hey, come here, come here. Listen, listen, I came up with this idea. I came up with this, this theological principle. I, I stumbled upon this truth. Listen to me. And then, oh, wait, you're not excited about it? Okay, never mind. Hey, hey, you, you come here. And I just try to find anyone, say, look, someone get excited about it. So far, no one has been as excited as I have been about this principle. Everyone else is kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever. Okay, wait, wait, what are you talking about? I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. Uh, all I heard was blah, 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 blah. I know, I know. I know it's starting to sound like blah, 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 but I, I can't let it go. I think that this is a very important concept. So I'm going to continue to talk about it until someone out there just fakes it, just pretends like someone just contacts me like, wow, that was the greatest concept I have ever heard. That was so, I mean, until someone just fakes it, I'm, I'm no, okay, no, I don't, I don't want you to fake it, but I do believe, and I'm, and I'm being serious. I'm having a little bit of fun, but I do believe that this is a rather profound and important point. Now, maybe you've always thought this way. I don't think most people do think this way, but um, I I believe it's an important principle. So let me remind you of the concept. Let me remind you of the principle. Let me remind you, maybe I I can't yet call it a theological truth. Let me remind you of my theological hypotheses. Okay, let me do that. All right. Someone is just laughing at me. Okay, that's that's not good. No, nobody. See, nobody, nobody, nobody believes that this is important. But are you ready? Here we go. All right, having a little bit of fun. We, I can't. I, it's only a, a, it's only a theory right now. So, so I can't call it a theological truth. But I do believe I'm uh, onto something. We still need to do some work on it. But here we go. When it comes to someone's personal life. Everyone knows that we strive for, long for, and work towards becoming more and more mature, right? And when we are trying to teach our children or teaching a teenager, we talk to them about growing up, being mature, maturity in your life, 
right? Sometimes it can be a child. It can be your spouse. Hey, you need to grow up. And when we talk about our personal maturity, we know that this is moving towards a greater sense of independence, right? You're becoming more more independent. You can take care of problems on your own. You don't need anyone. You don't have to be so dependent on everyone else. You can you can trust them. And when your kids are becoming more and more mature, mature you can be like, okay, hey, you go, you go play and you don't feel like you have to supervise them around the clock because they're becoming more and more independent. Independence is connected with maturity in our personal life. It's kind of the goal, right? Becoming more and more independent. You don't have to be so be codependent on other people. You can stand on your own, do things on your own. You can take care of problems on your own. You are truly independent because you have become mature. But when it comes to our spiritual life and spiritual maturity, it's the complete opposite. Spiritual maturity is not a movement towards independence. Spiritual maturity is where we become more and more and more dependent upon God. Spiritual maturity, we become more and more and more aware of our own frailty, our own shortcomings, our own unrighteousness, and we have to grow in a daily dependence upon God. Now, yesterday we talked about manna and dependence because God put Israel in a situation where they had to depend on God every single day. Hey, you need food? I'll give you food, but you can only collect so much for that day. And if you keep extra, it's uh, there's going to be there's going to be worms in it. It's going to be disgusting. It's going to stink. You you can only get what you need for that day. You're going to have to be dependent upon me every single day, right? And what did they do? Some of them didn't follow the rules because they wanted to act in an independent way. See, our the Christian life is this battle for this desire at times to be independent, right? We're going to be independent of God. I'm going to, I'm going to do things my way versus saying, Lord, Lord, I'm going to depend on you. I'm going to depend on you for your righteousness. I'm going to depend on you for your truth. I'm going to depend on you for your, for your way, not my way. I'm going to become more and more dependent upon you. And I think that I don't know if we have a correct understanding of spiritual maturity, because a lot of times we think spiritual maturity is we almost like, see, you know, I can do it. I've got it figured out. It's all about our ability and our good deeds and our works and our actions. And like, I'm becoming more spiritually mature because I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this. And I think in some ways, the more I think that that's a stage in the Christian life where you are in a sense, standing on your own, you're studying, you're reading, you're figuring things out. You've moved away from certain sins. And, but I think it almost gives us a sense that we're becoming spiritually mature, but I think it's almost a fraudulent maturity. I think it actually keeps us from, I think true maturity is you've got to go through that stage and then you stumble, fall on your face, realize how weak you really are, realize how much you're still a sinner, realize the sinful nature is still very there. And then you almost find yourself becoming more and more dependent upon God. And until we get to that level, then we'll have this kind of a fake maturity where we may appear to be mature, but what typically happens, we become very self-righteous, condemning other people. We want to talk about everyone else's sins. When we see other people's sins, it somehow makes us feel better about ourselves. We want to talk, gossip, slander, condemn, but we don't, we don't necessarily look immediately to ourselves. 
So I'm continuing to try to drive this point home that spiritual maturity is dependence and spiritual immaturity is independence. So we looked at Israel with the manna, right? I don't know if we did, if I did a very good job with that. But today I want us to go to Luke chapter 18. Remember, I gave everyone homework. I wanted you to find five passages of scripture that really shows this independence from God, this kind of the, the, the dangers and the consequences of this like independent attitude. And then I wanted you to find five passages of scripture that really emphasized and talked about our dependence upon God. No one has turned that in yet, but I hope people are working on it, all right? But for today, here's what I want you to focus on. I want you to focus on Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Now, I think the Exodus passage is a good example of, well, dependence upon God, but showing people trying to be somewhat independent of God. Now here, well, look at this, Luke chapter 18. I think this this is a fascinating passage. Luke chapter 18, start in verse 9. Now, speaking of Jesus, he, that's Jesus, spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. What a perfect example of independence. Hey, I, I am righteous right? I, that they were righteous in themselves, in themselves. They I, I don't need God for my righteousness. I have my own righteousness. And we see a lot of this within Christianity. And whether we want to create this mentality, the evangelical world creates it because look at what we do. I mean, we last night, late, late last night, we were doing a sermon review, right? What do we do over and over in the evangelical world? How do you know you're saved? You look to the righteousness that is manifested in your practical life. Look to your life. So what? how do I know I'm saved? Well, look at how godly I am. Look at how I, I thank God that I'm not like this and I don't do this and I don't do that. And I go to church and I read my Bible and I tithe and I do this and I have I go to small group and da 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 well, you're ultimately you're trusting in your own righteousness. Now, I know Christians are like, no, 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 no. That's just the fruit. It's the fruit of what? An imputed righteousness? Well, then you get into we get into this whole discussion, but we look to ourselves. And so many Christians, in a sense, trust in themselves that they are righteous. And guess what that leads to? It leads to a despising of other people. When you trust in yourself that you are righteous in yourself because of your actions. Now, I trust that I am righteous because of an imputed righteousness, but that's not it. I'm not trusting in myself. I am trusting in Christ's righteousness. But once you start focusing in on your own righteousness, on your own good deeds, you almost always start despising other people. Because you now compare yourself to other people. But when you look to Christ, you look to God, you will immediately be immediately confronted with how unrighteous you are. And then you'll either be you'll be driven to despair or you'll be driven to the only righteousness that will make you righteous. And that is the imputed righteousness. Well, then why would you despise anybody else? Because your righteousness is not your own. It comes from Christ. But look what happens. So he speaks this parable. 
about those who trust in themselves that they are righteous and they despise others. Look at what happens. Luke 18, 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Now, in the evangelical world, the Pharisee would be doing the right thing, right? Because how do you know you're saved? You got to pass the test. You got to, you look at all of your actions. You look at your actions, 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 actions. Okay. Well, wait a minute. You look, he's praying. Okay. That's, that's gotta, that's gotta be a sign that he's saved. Oh, wait. Uh, he's not an extortioner. That's gotta be a sign that he's not saved. He's not unjust. That's gotta prove that he's not, uh, that, that's gotta prove that he's not unsaved. He's, he's not an adulterer. That's gotta prove that he's not unsaved. Um, he's, uh, uh, he fasts twice, twice a week. He gives tithes of all that he possesses. This has to clearly prove that he's not unsaved. This would all have to be evidence that he is saved because by your fruits, you will know them. That's what we always say, right? So here he's got all of these righteous deeds. He's got all of these righteous actions. He's doing all of the right things. He's avoiding sin, doing the right thing. All right, so that one that one would pass the, the Lordship test. That one would pass the MacArthur test. Now the next guy stands up and says, and the next one is the publican, and he stands afar off. He doesn't even lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smites himself on his, on his breast. And he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He doesn't, he doesn't say, I know that I'm saved because, no, he's like, just be merciful to me because I'm a sinner. And then what does the text say? Verse 14, I tell you this, this man, speaking of the publican, went down to his house justified rather than the other. That's dependence upon God. Lord, I'm a sinner. I need your mercy. Lord, I am not independent of you and looking to my righteousness. I am dependent upon you. I need, I am dependent on you for the forgiveness of sins. I'm dependent upon you for righteousness. I'm dependent upon you for obedience. Because in myself, I will always fall short. How dependent are you really when it comes to God's mercy? The way many Christians treat it is, well, I was dependent upon God to be saved, but now that I'm saved, I really stopped looking to what God did for me, and now I look at what I do in my life. Now, we may try to give God the credit for it. Well, the reason I do all of these things is because God is working in me, but that just leads to other theological problems because then if you're not doing something or if you're sinning, well, then it would be God's fault because, well, then God's not doing the work. Okay, that just leads to a whole different level of problems. But the, the issue is, are you truly dependent upon God for his righteousness, for his obedience, for his holiness? Or are you operating in an independent way where you've become self-righteous and you're looking to your actions. I find it interesting that in the Bible, we have two examples here. In Matthew 7, we have a group of people who are like, 
Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we do this? We preached. We, we, well, we acknowledge you as Lord. We call you Lord, Lord. We repeat it twice. Hey, we preached in your name. We cast out demon, demons in your name. We did all of these good works. And Jesus is like, I never knew you. Well, wait a minute. They came with all of the right actions and the right words. And Jesus is like, I never knew you. They, they looked to their actions to prove that they were saved and they were not saved. Here we have the Pharisee who looks to his actions to prove that he's saved and he doesn't go home justified. We have two examples of where people, in a sense, are looking to their own actions as some kind of evidence or proof that they're right with God and they're not right with God. And here we have someone who clearly doesn't, he's just like, I'm just a sinner. I'm just a sinner. Have mercy on me. And he goes home justified. I think that this is just, we have to develop this attitude of dependence in every area of our life. I have to be dependent upon God for every, for everything, for everything, for ev- literally everything. The longer I've been a Christian, the more I realize how dependent I am. Because I am not sufficient in myself for in, in any way, shape, or form. Even, even the best I can produce, the best good works are nothing more than filthy rags. If you think about it, well, there's, there are a lot of ways to look at it. But in some ways, a lot of times people will say, well, you know, uh, by, by, you know, and, and I think sometimes we rip this verse a little bit out of context. But if you say by, you know, by their fruits, we will know them. Well, then I'm like, okay, that, all right, let, let's go with that. You know, the spiritual fruit that uh, you can use to judge me is the spiritual fruit that comes from Christ. Because all of that spiritual fruit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Christ demonstrated all of that. And by faith, all of that is imputed unto me. You say, well, if you don't do this, you don't do this, you don't do this, you're not saved. Christ did it all for me. That's my only hope. Everything else becomes a subjective, like, well, you need it, but you won't do it perfect. It becomes all subjective. And not only that, you're acting almost independent of God because you're looking to what is in your life. You're looking to yourself. You're looking to your actions. You're looking to what you do and don't do, which will lead you to despise other people. I know, look, my only hope is what Christ did, not what I do, can do, try to do, strive to do, hope to do, because none of what I do will ever be sufficient to prove anything because it's always tainted with sin and failure is always three seconds away. Do you have an attitude of dependence upon God? Daily dependence upon God. That in some ways, I think what uh, a lot of times we pray to get. I think what we have to learn to do is to start praying to demonstrate our dependence upon God. Right? We when we if we pray before we eat a meal, we are acknowledging our dependence upon God for everything. God tried to demonstrate, give Israel, he put them literally in a situation where they would be dependent upon God. And even in that situation, they acted independently. And guess what? They did that over and 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 over again. 
I don't know if we like that feeling of, I think there's sometimes, I, I think there's a, there's something that we don't like are being dependent upon God. I think sometimes we want to be dependent upon God and other times like, no, God, I got this. I got this. I got this. I got this. Independence and dependence. Spiritual maturity is the growth and dependence. Luke, six, uh, Luke 18 verses 9 through 14 is a good example of how we should be dependent upon God for righteousness. Yesterday was dependence upon God for manna. I want us to have five passages that demonstrate dependence upon God. I think I've come up with two. We need three more if you want to participate. I like some examples of independence from God. I think in the two examples in, in, in Exodus, Israel shown that they should be dependent upon God, but they acted almost independently. We kind of see an example of both. And here we see an example of both. The Pharisee, completely independent of God. Now he thanks God, but he thanks God because of what is true in his life. I think it still shows, I mean, the text makes it very clear. He trusted in himself that they were righteous. He may have thanked God, but he was really focused on himself. Would love to get your thoughts on this. News, if at yahoo.com. News, if at yahoo.com. That's news, if at yahoo.com. Remember, today's focus is designed to give you, supposed to be around 15 minutes. Sometimes I go much longer, but just to give you something to focus on today. And I want you to continue to focus on this idea of independence is a sign of spiritual immaturity. Dependence is a sign of spiritual maturity. That is your today's focus for Wednesday, April the 5th, 2023.